growing up, I grew up in the church. I'm very grateful that I grew up in a Bible-believing Christian church. But growing up, I knew it was good to invite people to church, right? I knew it was good. But even though I was saved at an early age, five years old, it wasn't until I was 16. There was like 11, 12 years there where I knew that's what I should do, but I did not do it. (laughs) I didn't want to do it. Every time I did it, it was like a grit your teeth, bear and get through this because you should do this. And, uh, you know, around age 16, I started committing to some training exercises in my relationship with God. At the time, I didn't even know what I was doing. I just started to make some decisions about how I was going to live, how I was going to relate with God. And, and those decisions were simple ones, like reading my Bible, reading a chapter of Proverbs every day, praying every day. Uh, I used to kind of, even though, you know, I claimed Christ, I kind of didn't really want to meet with other Christians any more than I had to. So I made the decision to, okay, I'm, I really want to give this a try. I didn't begrudge meeting together anymore. Uh, I started confessing sin and actually like, you know, saying this is who I really am in those meetings. And slowly that continued into college, uh, into college, and that's when I saw more clearly uh, some of what God was doing in me. And, and you, this isn't my story of my call into ministry. This is a higher calling. This is when I realized, oh, if I say I follow Jesus, I actually have to learn how to follow Jesus. That, that's my calling, our calling, all of us, into Christian growth. That's a higher calling than anything else you'll be called to. So as I started to engage that, something began to happen in my life. And it was that I now wanted to, and I started to on a regular basis, talk with other people about Jesus, about my faith. Um, and so th- that's just kind of a nutshell part of my story. And it's really not just my story. I've, I've heard that story repeatedly. Um, even though some people don't wait 11 years, I don't recommend waiting 10 or 11 years. Uh, but but this, th- this, this theme of growing in your faith and going, like living on mission, this theme is tied together in Christian experience and throughout the scriptures. And that's what we're going to look at today. I thought about calling this message uh, growth and goeth, like I tried to make up a King James Version word. Um, I thought it was funny. I need to work on that. But I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to call it goeth because it's it's really growing and going, and those are real words. Uh, But but here's here's the point of today. Um, If you want to grow, you got to go. And if you want to go, you got to be committed to grow. Like, it's not like one happens and then the other, but you have to understand these two work simultaneously. And, and when, when, when we hear go, it, it's so tempting to think, oh, I got to go to seminary, go overseas, go on a mission trip. And I'm all for uh, mission trips and, and going across town, but I'm really talking about living your life as a, as a sent one, as someone on mission. So go to work, go to your neighborhood where you live, go to the Y um, with purpose, with, with God's mission in mind. So, so, so that's what we're talking about today. And I, 
I want us to look at just three connections of growing and going. Three, three connections. And I'll be honest, the first one is the strongest. So, so focus on number one, and then two and three will take care of themselves. So here, here's the first connection of growing and going. Uh, it, what, what do we even mean by growing in our faith? It's not learning more about who God is. It's actually knowing God intimately. It's, it's becoming like Jesus. That's what we mean by growing in our faith. And so if that's our goal is to become like Jesus in our character, and that really is possible, then, then we're going to become like him, and, and he's the sent one, okay? So, so growing in Christ-likeness means becoming like the sent one. Here's a couple Bible verses to kind of give us some theological foundation. Ephesians 4, 15 says, We will, the church, in all things, your job, your family, your leisure time, your habits, your friendships, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, who is Christ. So, Basically, in your whole life, God is inviting and he's, he's given you all that you need in order to become like Jesus in all of your life. Now, if this is your first time here with us in this series, I am not talking about perfection. I'm talking about direction. I'm talking about incremental progress in changing our character into Jesus' character. This, this is a lifelong process, but you actually can make progress. And what is Jesus' character like? He, he's the sent one. Jesus prayed in John 17 that just as you have sent me into the world, Father, I'm sending out my followers. So, so this is part of his character. If we want to become like Jesus, we can't ignore that Jesus is a sent one. He is the sent one. And, and who was Jesus sent to? I, oh, this is where it gets kind of hairy for me personally. Because I like being around people I like. Jesus was sent to anyone who would have him. Anybody who would have him. And so who are we sent to? Anybody who would have Jesus. Which means, might be a former alcoholic, might be totally different personality type than you, might be a millennial, and I'm in my 60s. <laughs> or, if you're a millennial or other generation, it, you know, it's, it, it might be intergenerational. It's, it's, it's cross-cultural. Um, it might be the person who most annoys you in your life. The people that we tend to avoid. Jesus was sent to the world. And Jesus was known as a friend of sinners. That's how he was known. And the further up and to the right that we go, the, the more that we actually become like Jesus. I think here's a test, and this has been really convicting for me. Here's a test of Christ-likeness, just an indicator. Um, is my heart, as I appear to, becoming, to be becoming more righteous, more like Jesus, is my heart softer and more compassionate for the people who are far from Jesus? that dude whose face is all tatted up that I see at the Y. What is my instinct? 
when I see him. It's, it, it ought to be to persistently pray for him, to think, oh yeah, he could fit in at church. He really could. He would fit right in with God's people. He would fit right in with my small group. And you, you, you might think, no, actually, <laughs> he wouldn't fit right in. And on the outside, you're right. But if we're becoming like Jesus, it's on the inside. It's on the inside. And, and we need to start, I need to start. Well, I have started, actually. And we have started. But we need to keep learning to look at life that way. Learning to look at ourselves and other people that way. And of course, the people that you enjoy, they're welcome into God's kingdom too. But to be faithful to the nature of God is to engage all people. And to understand that some people will say no, but often the people who say yes are sometimes the people that we least expect. That's the first connection of growing and going. If, if we're going to become like Jesus, we're going to have to include becoming like the sent one, becoming sent in nature. The second connection of growing and going is if we are growing in faith, which means growing in trust, growing in confidence, we will actually go out in greater confidence. So if we're taking steps in our, in our faith, then uh, we'll go out in greater and greater confidence, not in ourselves, but in who Jesus is. Uh, I could talk a lot about the Great Commission, Matthew 28, but here's, here's what Jesus said. Listen up. I called this special meeting. Jesus did. He said, meet me in Galilee. He met his disciples in Galilee after Jesus had resurrected from the dead. And here's what he said. I've called this special meeting to tell you something that I've already told you before. All authority is mine. All power is mine. Therefore, go. Do you see the connection? If you believe Jesus is in charge, if you have confidence that Jesus is in charge, go ahead. Take the next step. Go make disciples. Go make other people who have confidence that Jesus is in charge and that would go and make other people to live in the confidence of Jesus' kingship. And so thinking about that, I was just like, man, one reason I love church and uh, that I love this right here is this room is filled with people connected to life-changing power. But I got to be honest for myself, uh, I'm hesitant to use it so often. I, I believe Jesus is king. Believe is in charge. All authority is his. I'm learning how to live that way. Th that's training for godliness. But it's so encouraging when I actually see life for what it is. Uh, that the, the harvest really is plentiful. Like God is, is just, he said the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. That we really can, as we learn to live under Jesus' leadership, we really can be used by God in profound ways that uh, many of us have not thought of or have not imagined. So as we grow in our faith, we will grow in our confidence in going. We'll go more confidently. 
And here's, here's the third connection between growing and going. Um, if we're growing in love for Jesus, all this training, like it requires discipline. It requires waking up early, requires showing up at small group. These are external choices that matter. But we do these things in order to grow in love. And if we are actually growing in love, we should be going in love as well. So Matthew 13, Jesus says, here's what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a man who went out to a field, found a treasure. I mean, a once in a lifetime treasure. Went back, sold everything he had so that he could buy the field. And that story Jesus told is to depict how valuable Jesus is. He's the treasure. And when we learn how to go, when we learn how to live on mission, we don't have to worry about losing our treasure because we're kind of, you know, sharing it with others, divvying it out. There's enough Jesus to go around. There's plenty. We don't have to worry about losing our treasure when we tell others we enjoy our treasure more fully. And in fact, what Jesus says in Luke 12 is that there's actually something fundamentally wrong with our faith if we're okay keeping it to ourselves. There's, some, there's just something fundamentally wrong with that. And you can look at Luke 12, 8 and 9 on your own time. But Jesus just clearly says, that's wrong. There's, there is something wrong there. So, so I'm going to start wrapping up here. But I, here's some applications for, for me, for us. Uh, if we're content with simply being great Bible students, you know, knowing here's where this verse is and here's what it says, it, even if we're content with being proficient enough to teach the Bible, uh, we could be, we very well may be, in grave spiritual danger if, if we're content with knowing about God. If we're content with having a great small group life, great relationships, I mean, you know, they know we're Christians by our love for each other, and we love each other. Um, we still could very well be in grave danger, spiritually. If we're satisfied with the status quo of coming every Sunday, you know, and, and we see more and more people coming every Sunday, but if our heart isn't increasingly connected to God's heart and his mission, uh, we are in grave spiritual danger. And I don't believe I'm being dramatic at all. Uh, and I don't believe that this is necessarily true of the church, but it's, it is a caution that I believe God gave me and I, I want to pass on to you. The danger is we could have the wrong picture of Jesus. Becoming people who, you know, we think we're going in the right direction, <laughs> um, but we're not. And the only thing worse than going in the wrong direction is thinking that you're going in the right direction. Like the Pharisees thought they were going in the right direction, but they're not. Their training for godliness was leading them down a very, very unhealthy path. And so, you know, I'm all for those things, small groups and, you know, inviting people to church. But the key, the whole, the whole point of this, the whole point of the gospel is pay attention to who you're becoming. I, so here's an example of how you pay attention to who you're becoming. What does this even look like? Practical example. I had a friend who heard about someone who suffered loss, and his reaction, he, sh he told me his reaction was instant compassion. And he said, I don't know where that came from. 
because a couple few months ago, he said, I'd have been like, well, he got what was coming to him. <laughs> but he, he's been for the last year intentionally training for godliness. And uh, he, he just saw some growth. And, that, and that's really encouraging for me, really encouraging for him because he's put in hard work. And th- this is hard work. And we're going to talk about the hard work of this next week. But uh, this week, I just want to say, as we train for godliness, we've got to have the right goal. Like, godliness is becoming like God, which can either be a really, really good thing, or like Adam and Eve in chapter 3 of Genesis, a really, really bad thing. Hey, if you eat this fruit, you'll become like God, knowing good and evil. And so we got to know, who is God? What is he like? He's a God on mission, a mission of love relationship for anybody who wants it, anybody who would have it. He's a God worthy of our confidence and, you know, this whole thing about inviting people, not just to church, but inviting people into the kingdom, inviting people into spiritual conversation. That's when our confidence is going to be tested because our confidence is tested when we're uncomfortable, when we're hurting or when we're unsure. But he is a God worthy of our confidence. And he's a God with whom we share a relationship of love. And so the application is not, the, the application is not go invite your friends to church. The application is not go talk to people about Jesus because that's what you're supposed to do. That never works well. Never works well. If you feel like this message is a a weight or a burden to you, I've miscommunicated. I'm sorry. Let's clear this up. We missed each other. This is an invitation to grow in love for Jesus. And as you grow in love for Jesus, look forward to this happening. Your love's spilling out. And if you think you're growing in love for Jesus and it's not spilling out, talk to somebody. Just don't keep going in that direction. Love for God always bears fruit in love for people. We don't make disciples because we're supposed to. We make disciples because we love being Jesus' disciple. We love being his apprentice. We love doing life with him. And you know, sometimes I don't love it, but then I tell that to my other disciple friends and I realize, well, I just had a wrong version of a good life there. Like, I had a wrong idea of who God was and what the good life is about. I'm back on track now. I just had to get that out of my system. So don't wait to arrive. You'll never arrive like you're grown enough in your faith to share Jesus. Just choose to love Jesus. That's a simple application. As you grow in that love, you will go. And as you go, as you choose to engage these people around you at Walmart, at your bank, uh, you'll become like Jesus. And maybe, maybe you have an interaction with someone and you're just five minutes later, I've done this. Five, I, just, I just missed that or I just misspoke. I, I misrepresented Jesus. If you're able to, go back to that person and say, hey, uh, we might not have time to get into it, but I'm just sorry for what I did, what I said. 
Um, or maybe it's long-term. You've started praying for someone, and five years from now, are you more or less invested in their relationship with God? Do you become bitter and calloused and think, it's never going to change? Or do you do this with Jesus and become more invested, more sensitive? This is a long-term thing. I don't expect us to change overnight. I'd love to change overnight. I think Jesus typically has other plans for us. But training for godliness means becoming like the missional God, who he is. And uh, it's a great invitation. It's a great invitation. So let's pray. And as, you, uh, as we pray, the, the points I'm going to run through are on the slide, if that helps you to stay focused. Um, just talk with God about anything that's holding you back insecurities that you might have, what people think of you. God can handle your honesty. And God, we, we ask you to help us see that you're actually trustworthy with our hurts, hang-ups, and bad habits. The things that keep us from going with your mission in mind. You're trustworthy. And if you're here today and, and you don't believe or you have questions or uncertainty about your relationship with God, here's my invitation to you. Um, tell God exactly what you think about him. He can handle it. If you think he's an unjust tyrant, you're not the first one to call him that. But tell God what you think and then sincerely ask, if I'm wrong, show me not the way that I want to be shown, but show me the way that you want to show me if I'm wrong. It's too important. I really want to hear from you, God. So if, if you don't believe, I'd encourage you to sincerely tell God your, your view of him and then ask him to, sh to show you differently if in fact you're wrong and just start watching. Thank you for never failing to pursue us, Jesus. 
Thank you for being a friend of sinners like me. Thanks for not leaving me there, but moving me, moving us to become like you, the sent one.